wish you a very warm welcome back to our podcast. I am Rika and this is a podcast of Promote Ukraine. This series is called Ukraine Up to Date and we bring out this podcast every week where we put together the most interesting, relevant and important topics and events about Ukraine and talk a little bit about it. So in case you want to stay on top of things that are happening in and around Ukraine, don't worry, we keep you up to date. And without further ado, let's start with this week's topics. A record number of more than 5,000 people, including more than 80 journalists, were detained during rallies in support of opposition leader Alexei Navalny in Russia on Sunday. The police used force against the protesters and numerous beatings and the use of electric shockers were recorded. In particular, Navalny's wife, Yulia Navalna, was among uh, 1,450 detainees in Moscow. Uh, she wrote on Instagram before joining the rallies, I quote, if we keep silence, they will come for each of us tomorrow. Uh, but Navalny was uh, later on released. In Moscow, where according to police estimates, about 2,000 people took part in the protests, seven metro stations have been closed and pedestrian traffic in the city center has been restricted so far. EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, condemned the mass detentions and use of force against protesters in Russia, he said. Uh, and I quote, I deplore widespread detention and disproportionate use of force against protesters and journalists in Russia. People must be able to exercise their right to demonstrate without fear of repression. Russia needs to comply with its international commitments. Earlier, Washington also condemned the actions of Russia's security forces. New US Secretary of State Antony Blinken criticized uh, Russian authorities for the harsh actions of security forces against participants in anti-government demonstrations. He tweeted, um, the United States condemned the persistent use of harsh tactics against peaceful protesters and journalists by Russian authorities for a second week straight. However, Moscow regarded this as gross interference uh, in Russia's internal affairs. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Russian Federation said in a statement of social media, and I quote again, we demand an end to interference in the internal affairs of sovereign states. Um, also, just as a reminder, rallies in support of Navalny have been held in different cities of Russia for the second weekend in a row. Uh, his associates called for nationwide demonstrations ahead of the opposition leader's trial, which will begin on Tuesday, the 2nd of February, so tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Russian police say the, protesters, uh, the protests are illegal because they were not sanctioned by the authorities. The president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, said during a phone conversation with the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, that the European Union is working to ensure that Ukraine receives the second part of a macrofinancial assistance tranche worth 600 million euros as soon as possible. According to the website of the head of the Ukrainian state, Zelensky thanked the EU for allocating the first tranche of aid to Ukraine in December 2020. He said that it helped to maintain Ukraine's macrofinancial stability. The report also says that the parties discuss the efforts the Ukrainian authorities are making to implement anti-corruption reforms. Zelensky informed von der Leyen about 
the beginning of the reform of the security service of Ukraine, the establishment of the Bureau of Economic Security, and the increased liability for inaccuracies in asset declarations. During the phone conversation, special attention was paid to the issue of holding a regular meeting of the EU-Ukraine Association Council, which was scheduled for early February in Brussels. The Ukrainian side expects that during the event a dialogue will be launched to update the parameters of free trade of the free trade area and strengthen the sectoral provisions of the association agreement. Uh, after the phone conversation, the president of the European Commission posted on her Twitter account that the EU wants to help Ukraine fight COVID-19. She stressed that both EU states and neighboring countries will receive sufficient doses of the vaccine in 2021. According to the president of Ukraine, the vaccines allocated within the COVAX facility will not be enough to vaccinate the critically needed amount of population in 2021. The issue of Donbass joining the Russian Federation is neither directly nor indirectly on the agenda. The Russian president's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov, said while commenting on the words of Russian propagandist Margarita Simanyan, about the need to exceed Donbass to Russia. Piskov said, and I quote, Margarita Simonyan is a media manager and journalist. She cannot declare the official position of the Russian Federation. Such an issue is not on the agenda. Russia takes a consistent and responsible position in protecting the interests of the Russian-speaking population in Donbass and will continue to defend Russians. At the same time, he once again used the narrative of Russian propaganda about the internal crisis in Ukraine that Russia is helping to resolve. The day before, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Russian Federation called the statement by the editor-in-chief of Rossiya Sivodnya and Russia Today TV channels, Margarita Simonyan, about the accession of Donbass, her personal opinion. As a reminder, on the 28th of January, at the Russian Donbass Forum that took place in the occupied Donetsk, Margarita Simonyan declared that residents of eastern Ukraine want to live at home, uh, in quotation marks, and uh, called on Russia to exceed this Ukrainian region as it was made earlier with Crimea. In addition to Simonyan, the forum was attended by her husband, TV host uh, Tigran Sayan journalist and pro-Putin member of the Moscow City Duma, Roman Babayan, and another Russian MP, Andrei Kozenko. Meanwhile, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine stated that it would initiate a ban on the entry of Tigran Keosayan into Ukraine. According to Foreign Ministry spokesman Oleg Nikolenko, Simonyan and Babayan have long been banned from entry. And he also added that the arrival of Russian propagandists in Donetsk show that the staples of the Russian world in the occupied Ukrainian territories are not so unshakable. On the 26th of January, the newly elected US President Joe Biden had his first phone call with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The White House said that the American leader stated during the conversation that he was firmly committed to support Ukraine's sovereignty. The office of the president of Ukraine believes that the first official conversation between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin is ideal for Ukraine's interests and the US administration has returned to the global agenda with traditional values. 
this is what Mikhailo Podolyak, an advisor to the head of the pr- president's office, told journalists. He said, I quote, The new president of the United States immediately became actively involved in the global order. In my opinion, the phone conversation between Biden and Putin is a sign of a key priority of the new administration, a kind of signal that we are returning to the world order with traditional values and traditional harshness towards those who break the rules. He also added that the formal reason for the conversation concerned the topic of strategic disarmament, but its content was much broader and seemed ideal for the interests of Ukraine. The advisor to the head of the president's office stressed that Joe Biden uh, not only reaffirmed the key position on U.S. unwavering support for, for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, but also raised the issue of supporting Ukraine's sovereignty in fact in the first place, in the context of well-known threats and risk from Russia against the rules and values of the civilized world. He expressed belief that Russia has only one chance for at least... <laughs> I quote, some minimally normal relations with America and the civilized world, uh, namely a complete secession of its aggressive policy. And the first point in this matter is the cessation of aggression against Ukraine and the return of all territories currently occupied by Russia. According to Podolyak, Biden emphasized this very clearly, objectively and systematically. The first deputy minister for foreign affairs of Ukraine, Emin Jabbar, took part in a virtual high-level United Nations peace-building fund replenishment conference. The conference, uh, convened by the UN Secretary General, was co-chaired by the President of Sierra Leone, the Prime Minister of Sudan, and the foreign ministers of Canada and Germany. In her speech, Emin Jabbar noted that ensuring sustainable peace in the world, including in Ukraine, remains a critical challenge of our time. The diplomat said, and I quote, Ukraine supported a call by the UN Secretary General to end hostilities worldwide against the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic. Regrettably, Russia failed to hear the call for peace and continues its armed aggression against Ukraine. The first deputy foreign minister stressed that prevention efforts should be a key element of the UN peacebuilding activity. She noted that um, Ukraine advocates the need to to develop a tailored approach to each armed conflict or crisis situation. An effective settlement should take into account the root causes of conflicts, especially when they arise between states. Jepar also stressed that the effective use of funds is an important prerequisite for the successful implementation of peace-building projects. According to her, it is also important to provide funding for priority projects in recipient countries. The Ukrainian diplomat also emphasized that access to the affected population, especially in the occupied territories, protection of human rights and promotion of the role of women and youth in peace activities and strengthening the environmental component should also be among the key UN peacekeeping tasks. The G7 ambassadors presented a roadmap for judicial and anti-corruption reforms in Ukraine. The proposals also concern changes in the work of the Constitutional Court of Ukraine, or in short CCU, whose headline-making decisions, according to the ambassadors, pose a serious threat to the country's democratic development. 
the document was developed at the request of the Ukrainian side. Um, yeah, this is what the UK presidency of the G7 ambassador's support group in Ukraine posted on its Twitter account. The statement reads, I quote, Late last year, our Ukrainian partners asked for G7 ambassadors' advice on steps to strengthen anti-corruption institution and reform the judiciary responding to the problems caused by the decisions of the Constitutional Court of Ukraine in late October and previously. We were happy to provide this advice to our partners and are now sharing it more widely. The roadmap recommends that Ukraine urgently re-establish anti-corruption provisions and ensure that all nominations to key judicial and law enforcement bodies are transparent. Taking into account the recent decision of the CCU, it is proposed to establish a firm legal basis as soon as possible for the National Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, or in short, NABU, uh, that ensures its institutional independence and enables it to continue operating effectively without interruption. The document sets out uh, recommendations for the work of the National Agency on Corruption Prevention, or short NACP, in the context of ensuring appropriate sanctions for inaccuracies in asset declarations. At the same time, the ambassadors noted that the provisions aimed at restoring liability for inaccurate or unfiled asset declarations adopted by the Verkhovna Rada on the 4th of December do not have a sufficiently deterrent effect and thus would not be an effective tool in preventing corruption. The document also contains recommendations for the work of the uh, CCU and uh, the High Council of Justice the High Qualifications Commission of Judges, uh, the Public Integrity Council and the Supreme Court. In particular, it is proposed to temporarily um, institute a modest increase in the decision-making uh, quorum of the CCU, postpone ongoing selection procedures for CCU judges until new selection rules are introduced, ensure the meaningful participation of internationals in vetting all candidates, and strengthen ethical requirements for CCE judges. In addition, the G7 ambassadors propose to strengthen judicial accountability by adopting clear rules, standards and processes for investigating and adjudicating complaints of judicial misconduct. At the opening session in Strasbourg on Monday the 25th of January, Members of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, or I'm just going to call it PACE from now on, uh, supported the initiative of the Ukrainian delegation to challenge the powers of representatives of the Russian Federation due to Russia's disrespect for the rule of law and human rights violations. So far, the Russians can take part in the session. The corresponding initiative was put forward by head of the Ukrainian delegation to the PACE, Maria Mizenseva, and uh, some 38 delegates uh, from different member states supported the proposal, noting uh, the strength of the arguments, while 61 opposed it. In her speech, the representative of Ukraine stressed that in 2019, the assembly welcomed the return of the Russian delegation, hoping for a dialogue with Moscow, but since then the Russian authorities have continued to violate the political rights of their citizens and have been conducting a campaign to persecute the opposition leader. In addition, Mizenseva recalled that Russia stands behind human rights violations in the occupied territories 
and does not comply with the PACE resolutions, which in particular condemned the annexation of Crimea. The issue of challenging the powers of Russian delegation will be submitted for consideration by the Assembly's Monitoring Committee, which will appoint a responsible person who will prepare a report and a resolution to recommend uh, confirming, not confirming, or confirming with restrictions the powers of the Russian delegation. As a reminder, after the Russian delegation was deprived of the right to vote in 2014, um, shortly after the start of the occupation of Crimea, the sanctions were extended several times. In 2019, the Assembly did not amend the regulations, which allowed Russia to return its powers. Ukraine, in response to this step, announced that it refused to participate in the 2019 autumn session. In 2020, uh, the PACE approved the powers of the Russian delegation. Cyber experts of the Security Service of Ukraine, or in short SBU, exposed and stopped the destructive activity of a Russian-controlled network of online agitators operating on the territory of the Dnipropetrovsk, Kherson, Poltava and Zakarpatia regions. It has been documented that, on the instructions of the Russian handlers, the offenders shared calls for the violation of territorial integrity and constitutional order of Ukraine and incited uh, inter-ethnic hatred on social media sites. Thus, the Dnipropetrovsk region SBU officers identified a Donetsk-born person who distributed materials in support of the annexation of the Autonomous Republic of Crimea and the occupation of the Donetsk and Luhansk regions called for the physical destruction of mythical, I quote, Ukrainian fascists and promoted the ideas of a so-called Russian world. In the Kherson region, law enforcement officers exposed a resident of the town of uh, Oleshki who had been spreading anti-Ukrainian materials in one of the government-banned social networks um, where he justified Russia's armed aggression against Ukraine and called for the secession of central, southern and eastern regions with their further accessions to Russia. In turn, an agitator from the town of Berehova in the Zakarpatia region created a number of accounts on uh, social media sites and shared calls for violations of the territorial integrity of Ukraine. In particular, he called on citizens to support the secession of the Zakarpatia region. In the Poltava region, cyber experts stopped the activity of an internet agitator who posted publications in one of the banned social networks with calls for separatism and changes in the borders of Ukraine. Uh, a resident of the town of Horishny Plavny took an active part in the activities of more than 20 anti-Ukrainian communities with more than 100,000 followers. Cyber experts note that the increased activity of uh, internet agita agitators uh, coincides with the so-called tariff protests. Uh, it was established that the request of Russian handlers, the offenders incited online users to participate in protest and disturb public order. The criminals have been served with a notice of charges under Article 110, the um, encroachment of the territorial integrity and inviolability of Ukraine, of the Criminal Code of Ukraine. 
supervisors of key enterprises in the Russian-occupied territories of the Donetsk and Luhansk regions are being replaced. In particular, the Kremlin has turned over control to coal mining to a company linked to Ukrainian opposition MP Viktor Medvedchuk, known as a politician who does not recognize Russian aggression against Ukraine and has close personal relations with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, Authors of the Luhansk Operative Telegram channel reported on the corresponding changes in the non-government-controlled territories of Donbass. Activists in the Eastern Human Rights Group also confirmed this information, citing their own sources. Uh, The human rights activists said on their Facebook page, I quote, The VTS, or the Complex Provision of Foreign Trade Operations, company is no longer engaged in coal mining in the occupied Donbass. It was replaced by the trading house, uh, Don Cole's company, that is supervised by the opposition MP of Ukraine. In other words, the Kremlin is transferring the economy of the occupied Donbass. The activists do not directly mention the MP's name, but various media outlets write about Medvedchuk. In particular, on the 21st of January, the Don Press online uh, media portal, citing a Luhansk blogger, noted that the coal industry of the occupied Donbass is coming under the control of Medvedchuk and Deputy Minister of Economic Development of Russia, Sergei Nazarov. The report emphasizes that for this purpose, the trading house Don Cole's enterprise was created. The news agency also published a copy of the letter, according to which from um, the 1st of February this year, so from today on, uh, the said company will um, be the only trade representative office for the sale of coal from Donbass in the territory of the Russian Federation. The heads of enterprises are invited to submit applications for the formation of procurement volumes for February. In fact, uh, it is about the in quotation marks, capture of the coal market of all occupied territories. As a reminder, journalists have recently published a post according to which um, Dernitska CHPP buys coal not only from Russia, but also probably from the occupied territories of Donbass. Dozens of Russian railways cars with coal were spotted at the Dernitsa station in Kiev. So that was it with this week's podcast. As usual, make sure to share your thoughts with us and we would be very, very happy if you would rate this podcast and write a review. If you want to have more information and read articles on other topics as well, you can visit promoteukraine.org. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and so on. You can find us everywhere under the name Promote Ukraine. But for now, I wish you a wonderful start in the week and we'll be back next week with some fresh and new information.